In this episode, we tackle the theme and meaning of the word defiance and how it is expressed throughout the Star Wars saga. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to Sky Talkers. And this episode, we are talking all about the theme, the mood, the entity of being defiant. <laughs> The mood. <laughs> the vibe. The, the aura. The aura the of defiance. <laughs> okay, a little bit more specific than that, but yes, that's what we're talking about. And I'm excited about this one because I feel like this is potentially the most broad we've gotten with our topics in terms of themes, but this is it's kind of comparable with other ones that we've done, like family and hands. <laughs> but nothing, um, nothing is comparable to the hands. No. <laughs> hands, will we ever get as specific as we do hands with hands? Our language. Hands are a language. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, no. (laughs) I was going to say our color theory episode on lightsabers was pretty specific, like the colors of lightsabers, but I think hands is still still number one. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. And and this is the part of the show where we say that we're going to be on the podcast stage in just a couple of days on April 12th. At 12 p.m., right after the episode nine uh, premiere. Oh my God, not yet. Episode nine. (laughs) I'm mad. (laughs) And that's what we're going to be talking about. If you guys are wondering, we have a lot of giveaways. Find us on the podcast stage. It is right next door to the Twin Suns screening area. So if you're in that and you're chosen by the lottery to be in the Twin Suns stage, we will be just right next door. So please, please come. We have a lot to give. When when is it again, Charlotte? I forgot. April twelfth at twelve at high <laughs> noon. High noon. Yes, high noon. Charlotte said that in our resistance um, season one recap that came out earlier this week, and I died. I don't know why, but the idea of like our podcast stages at high noon just <laughs> is hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, please come. Uh, we'll be talking, probably talking about episode nine. I don't know. Like that's the. That's what that's the plan, but I don't know if we'll be able to get words out. We will. So we will. I, I have faith in us. Yeah. What's funny is we might just have a laptop up there and be like replaying it. <laughs> so, Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I know. The thing is we could just have everyone take out their phones and be like, okay, on the count of three, let's all push play on YouTube, rewatch it again, and then we'll start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we might do I, that as well. I think that I think that's probably gonna happen because I don't think there's any kind of projector situation. So everyone bring your phone, your tablet, so we can all watch the episode nine trailer, teaser, or just look at the poster. Who knows? <laughs> come it'll be fun and uh yeah high noon april 12th (laughs) and i'm sure a lot of you are listening are not going to star wars celebration but we will have the audio of the panel up right after like pretty much right after we record and that day yeah that day well it'll happen so you'll it'll be just like you were there Mm -hmm. so before we get started i wanted to say that on the podcast, I didn't get to say this in our past, like, two episodes that we recorded. Which is crazy. 
I know. It just didn't really feel right to put in front of uh, in our Padme stuff. And then it didn't feel right on our Resistance episode. So I'm happy to say it like on our main show because I consider these like the ones that come out on Saturday every other week our main show. Mm-hmm. I met Adam Driver, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hi. It feels like a lot of Raylos are, you know, congregating in New York City <laughs> and going to see Adam Driver and Carrie Russell on stage and burn this. And I am one of those Raylos. <laughs> I did it. Caitlin you was unfortunately. Congregated. Yes, I congregated. Caitlin unfortunately couldn't come to New York. So I had my very pregnant friend Sam come. <laughs> And she was sleuthy, got a photo of me and Adam, Adam talking. There was a woman behind me who kind of edged her way in, which was honestly kind of rude to my, again, very pregnant friend. So, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we went to the stage door. The play was great. I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting and I'm still thinking about it. Um, And Adam, of course, was really good. He kind of took over the stage. Um, and Carrie was great too, which is exciting because Carrie Russell is also going to be in episode nine. So it was, you know, it was kind of cool that like two Star Wars people are on stage together, which is weird. Oh, yeah. I was so excited to be getting Charlotte's text messages that night. And I remember I was trying to go to bed relatively early that night. I don't know why. Probably I was just bored. I was like, time to go to bed. But then I was like, no, I have to wait. (laughs) And I literally just stayed up to wait for your text messages and for the pictures that I knew would be coming. (laughs) I mean, it was a long play. So it was a long play. And I don't think I texted you until like 11.30. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the pictures were great. I remember you sent me the pictures and then like two minutes later you were like, look at the live photo. (laughs) I made a gif. Yeah. (laughs) Of Adam talking to me. In the live photo, I can hear him. Mm -hmm. So that's great. And then um, Charlotte's friend Sam actually is giving me her burn the stage signed playbill. Yes. And it's just the nicest thing in the world. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> I don't think she listens, but <laughs> if she does, if she happens to, thank you. <laughs> it, yeah, she was really excited. She's a big Adam Driver fan too. So she she gets it, which was mm-hmm. good. It was good to go with someone who like understands the, yeah. the obsession. And <laughs> oh man, he's so attractive. <laughs> the role, I have to say, the burn this role is not very like flattering yeah no but I think that it's still it's still a really good time and it's just a really deep story I really liked it yeah you were telling me about it and it sounded really interesting and thought-provoking yeah the thing about also like I waited at the stage door so Adam came out and then Adam went down all down the entire line signed every single playbill then got in the car and then Carrie Russell came out and I'm a big fan of the Americans which is Carrie Russell's uh previous show it just ended oh my god love the americans and she's married to her co-star on the americans matthew reese and it was her birthday so matthew reese and carrie russell came out the stage door so that was really cool as like a fan of that show to see that and also it was her birthday so we all sang sung her happy birthday which was so great and she was so excited and so cute and she's so small oh my god so (laughs) I'm I'm very excited to see what who she is in episode nine. Maybe Bye. we'll be finding out in a week. Next week. <laughs> Check your calendar god. nervously. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this episode we're talking all about the theme of defiance. Uh, it feels good. I feel like we haven't done like a themed episode in a I while. Know. It feels really good. I don't even like what was our last themed episode? I 
like we've had Padmesons, Padmesons, uh-huh. and uh, we've been doing a lot of resistance recaps, which is always so fun. But I'm just I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Yes. So in part one, we're going to be talking about the definition and theory of defiance. In part two, we're going to be talking about defiance in Star Wars. And then in part three, we're going to be talking about defiance in the future of Star Wars. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? So welcome to part one, um, where we're going to be talking about the definition and theory of defiance. And I think this will be a shorter part than usual, um, just because I kind of wanted to lay out every definition of defiance that we can before we really dive into the meat of how defiance comes into play in Star Wars. I was going to say, I think it's a good idea because I think a lot of us who enjoy thinking about Star Wars, you know, we talk about the term defiant and you kind of have an idea in your head about what it means, but I don't feel like it's – like defiance is one of those words that I don't think about super specifically as far as its definition or or what it means. It kind of – I don't know how to describe it, but it kind of – like morphs to fit your conversation. It's a little bit more fluid of a term, I think, than something like rebellion. Hmm. I don't know if I really agree with that. And I guess we can like test that theory as we go on in our conversation. Because I don't necessarily think it's a fluid term. I think it means like specifically. I I think it's pretty specific. I mean, I think it's specific, but I think it's more emotional. Yes, I do agree with that. Maybe that's what I mean. Yeah. So I got this idea, which is like, again, no surprise if you know us. I'm obsessed with the podcast Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and they did an episode about defiance. And I was like, well, we have to talk about defiance as it relates to Star Wars. So here we go. So the dictionary.com definition of defiance is a daring or bold resistance to authority or to any opposing force. It's also an open disregard. And the Merriam-Webster definition is a disposition to resist or a willingness to fight. I think that like strikes a lot of chords when we think about Star Wars and we'll obviously get into specifics later. But when you say (laughs) daring or bold resistance, like I think that was even in The Crawl. Like Leia Organa leads a a bold resistance, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So I think that's like pretty funny. (laughs) I actually decided to look up defiance on Urban Dictionary, which I never really think about looking for actual definitions on Urban Dictionary, (laughs) but for some reason, I just decided, let's go for it. And they actually had a really interesting definition on there. So Urban Dictionary defines definition. So Urban Dictionary defines defiance as to oppose what is expected and sometimes what is right, which I actually thought was quite ominous sounding. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if I agree with it. I, I I know. I think it was really interesting. And it, it yeah, like I said, it, I think it sounds very ominous, which kind of goes back to what I was saying or trying to say earlier about defiant being a mood and kind of more emotional, which I think actually plays into the different definitions from dictionary.com and Mary Webster, like disposition to resist and willingness to fight. Like those are like disposition and then willingness, they're kind of they kind of have different connotations. Mm-hmm. Like one is I'm not going to do anything, um, or I'm just not going to go in that direction. I'm going to resist the norm, perhaps. But then willingness to fight is more of a call to action. I see the thing about the Urban Dictionary definition that gets me is to oppose what is expected and sometimes what is right. It 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 bothers me because it. There's a there's a bias behind that, like mm-hmm. which Urban Dictionary 
kind of like that's what urban dictionary yeah exactly that's what urban dictionary is like all about but I I find it like I think the Merriam-Webster and the dictionary.com ones are a little bit better but I think it, it really does bring about this thought of like is defiance a neutral term like can you be defiant is is being defiant good is being defiant bad and I think the urban dictionary definition takes the to being defiant is bad stance by saying opposing what is right like I think that they're writing this with a this child is bad and naughty and they're like defying what is right you know yeah but it's it's sometimes what is right it's yeah, sometimes. Because sometimes that's what being defiant is. I mean, that's what you think of like a rebellious teenager who's gone out on the town drinking past curfew or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're being defiant to their parents' rules. Or if they're, you know, every age-old coming-of-age story about, you know, the kid that is going to go to college on a basketball scholarship and then decides he, want- <laughs> he wants to go to theater school. <laughs> Like High School Musical, and it's like, no, that's your dream, Dad, not mine. And he's oh, being, <laughs> he's being defiant, but that's not necessarily what's wrong. But that's opposing what's expected of him. Yeah, I agree. But what I mean is, like, I think you can see it in both ways, and I think mm-hmm. this Urban Dictionary sees it in the other way, like the bad way. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I kind of because even from that point of view, if you take, oh, the, then what is right is. Troy Bolton then should have gone on a basketball scholarship instead of going and studying theater. But, like, that's not what his heart was in. So, like, if that is right, then that means that that is what you're saying is that the basketball scholarship was was right and therefore his defiance was, like, bad. No, that was just – I mean, that's just kind of an example. But, I mean, to oppose what's expected, that can be right. Mm-hmm. But it can also be wrong, right. depending on the situation. I mean, like, yeah, for I mean, sure. We're gonna be getting into it, but like Ben Solo, him defo- opposing what was expected of him with his family, was wrong, <laughs> right? It's obviously a bit more nuanced than that, but to put it simply. But then, like Luke Skywalker opposing what was expected of him on Tatooine to just stay at the moisture farm and not cause any trouble, that wasn't necessarily right. Not that it wasn't yeah. right, but see, th- th- I think that's what you you. Ke- I feel like you keep falling into this trap of like expected. You, that was that's yeah. what was expected of him. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that was the best choice for him. I guess that's a better mm-hmm. way of putting it. Yeah, not that it was wrong, but it wasn't the best choice. So the big question here then is: is defiance? Does it always really have to be personal? So like when someone defies someone else or something, does it have to be personal? I think so. I think because it is, it's more emotional. Yeah, I agree. It becomes personal. And is defiance a major theme in Star Wars? I think so. I think it's one of those like second layer themes. You know what I mean? It's like once you start digging, not even digging that deep because everyone in Star Wars is kind of defined by their defiance Mm -hmm. um, and by their personal choices. So I guess it is. It's just not something you think of necessarily off the bat. I mean, I think most people think that Star Wars is about hope because it is. Um, but where does that hope come from? It comes from being defiant in the face of opposition. Yeah. Wrong opposition. Understanding and will like a huge willingness to do what's right or <laughs> speed like going from the heart and defying like your your programming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Have a which is also opposing what's expected. Exactly. 
So just as a side note, when I was like searching through Wikipedia, as I do whenever like we prepare any sort of our Google Doc for this episode, I found that there was a ship called Defiance. It's a Mon Cala ship that's in Return of the Jedi and in is in the Battle of Endor, I think. And then there's also a ship called Defiant in the Clone Wars movie that goes to Tatooine. So just just thought I'd mention that because I thought it was clearly some people think Defiance is a is a key theme in Star Wars as well because it comes up in a ship name. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> well, sometimes like I think about this all the time where and I, I thought this was cool even when I was like 12 and I was reading the Revenge of the Sith novelization about how Grievous's ship or Count Dooku's ship, I guess I think it's Grievous's ship is called Invisible Hand. And obviously you think of I think it's what. Adam's invisible hand the of the markets and everything like that whatever economics but <laughs> I I always think about how like that ship represents what is happening like the name invisible hand is like the invisible hand like what you don't see um that's how like the puppeteer behind the scenes which is like a major theme in Revenge of the Sith where mm-hmm. everything comes to a head with Palpatine yeah so I, I think about that a lot when you hear these names um of the ships that come up in Star Wars, I mean, <laughs> the Colossus is ginormous, and it's called the Colossus. Oh my God, you brought up the Colossus! I did. I'm trying to think of that's like the the most recent ship we've talked about, but um, even the Supremacy, like the Supremacy, is the biggest ship, and like you mm-hmm. think about that because it's it's and that's where Supreme Leader Snoke is. So it all makes sense. Ship names matter, is what I'm saying. <laughs> They do. <laughs> I, I feel like I could talk about the invisible hand like for a really long time. I know. I feel like maybe – are we going to have an episode about ship names? We might. Like, and like surprise ships? everyone that we're going to be talking about physical ships and not like relationships. And not Raylo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If only we had thought of that about that for April Fool's. Oh, next year. Every, everyone listening, please forget. Everyone. <laughs> we just said that. <laughs> please forget this April Fool's joke that will be coming to you April 1st, 2020. <laughs> It's happening. <laughs> that would be hilarious. We we have to do that. I'm going to make like a graphic that's like super romantic and then everyone's going to turn it on and it's going to be all about like X-Wings. Yeah. <laughs> and the B-Wing. Don't forget about the B-Wing. <laughs> I'm so ready. It's important. Okay. So why don't we – because I think we're – I'm itching at least. Mm-hmm. I know this part is so short to talk about Defiance and Star Wars. So let's move on to part two. <laughs> Welcome to part two, where we're talking about the type of defiance that we've already seen in Star Wars. So we kind of touched on this in the last section, but defiance is a major theme of Star Wars. So let's kind of walk through what the difference is between resisting, rebelling, and defying. Yeah. So in my mind, I think defiance if we said in the last part that defiance usually is personal, like it generally has to be personal. I think that I think that in order for someone's defiance to like make a difference, like there has to be like a, a clarity or like it has to be really clear as to why they're doing it and like the they have to believe in that that purpose so it is personal. And I think it's different from rebelling because I think defiance is like generally individual because it is so personal. I think we can think about Jen Urso and how she defied basically the rebellion by wanting to to fight and go to Scarif. And I think that for her, the impetus for her to want to do that is because it was so personal. She was not involved before her father, you know, sent that message. 
or anything. Um, and I think that rebelling is kind of like, it's a little bit more of a group effort. I think that there is, I obviously think that rebellion and resistance is, is personal as well. But to me, I think that it is more collective than it is individual, like defiance. What I think is interesting is how, one, I, I totally agree, defiance is something that is an individual decision and, and often taken out on an individual level. Like it's one mm-hmm. person breaking the mold. It's one person, you know, not applying for the basketball scholarship. And resistance and resisting and rebelling often feel more like a, a group project, like you said. But what's funny is I think that Star Wars has kind of ingrained that mentality in us by the sheer fact that it's called the rebellion, which is a group of people, and now it's called the resistance. Like, can we imagine in the next generation of Star Wars it being called the defiance? No, because that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would make sense because it does. But it doesn't work as much as, well. as it would make sense for like the rebellion to have a ship called Defiance if they ever did, like, or the Resistance to have one. But I still don't think that, like, as a collective term, it makes that much sense just because it is so personal and individualistic. I agree. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your favorite examples of Defiance in Star Wars? Let's get into it. I mean, I gotta say, Kylo Ren, right? <laughs> It was just – it was the shock of the century. (laughs) I know. It was the best thing ever. And it was so good. And it's kind of the most clear cut, I think, as well. Well, can you be a little bit more specific? Because I think there's a couple of ways that Kylo – Killing Snoke. Killing Snoke, yes. Killing Snoke, yeah. And, like, let's walk through that because clearly that is – perhaps one of the most personal choices that we see in Star Wars, like the most personal act of defiance. It's the most, uh, I think what kind of makes it stand out, it's the most, we have the most immediate uh, reaction or the most immediate effect afterwards. Um, Whereas with like the other examples that we're going to talk about, it's more long-term. It's like the the act of defiance happens at the climax of the story or at the beginning of the story. Um, and then subsequent events unfold afterwards as a, as a result of that defiance. Whereas with Kylo Ren, it's like he decided to defy Snoke and that defiance immediately was expressed in killing Snoke. Um, and so it was like that moment and that um, – person who had that expectation of him, it was immediately gone. It wasn't something that he continued to work through or fight against Snoke specifically throughout the rest of the film. It was something that happened immediately and it was like that relationship is now severed completely. Yeah. is To me, it's powerful Like as you start to think about like Kylo Ren as a character and how he's probably always had this person in his head and he like essentially is defiant against his abuser. And like it's it's super powerful in that way. I think that there's like a lot of other examples. And I think that you alluded to this about like in other characters where it's often in the beginning of the story or at the climax. And I think in the beginning of the story, you can even pinpoint it almost to the hero's journey where in a lot of ways it is when the character crosses the threshold. Mm-hmm. And it, with Kylo, it's a little different because it's the sequel trilogy is Ray is Ray basically seeing Kylo's story through her eyes and her perspective. So it's harder to like pinpoint that in on a journey scale or anything like that. But it is so – you're so right. I think there's something about it though that is – the reason why it's so powerful is because it is – it feels so personal and it's so surprising. Yeah. And it's against another person 
Yeah. In in Star Wars, a lot of not all, but a lot of our examples of defiance are against an authority, and it's not necessarily an authority figure, but rather an authority government, mm-hmm. um, or like some other organization that's <laughs> proving troublesome or bothersome. Whereas with Kylo, like you were talking about, it's it's the most personal I think that we've seen, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, even when the other examples we have here is Rey leaving Octo um, and defying Luke Skywalker's wishes. And that's one-on-one, but Rey's relationship with Luke Skywalker is uh, much less impactful, I think, than Kylo's and Snoke. Not impactful. That's not the right word. But um, Well, Luke, Rey has known Luke for like yeah, a for day. Like- Three days or something. <laughs> a d- Essentially, hours. Kylo has known Snoke for his whole life, like since he was in the womb. <laughs> so it's Graphic. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So it's like that's a per- like raises it is a one on one act of defiance, um, but it's completely different than Kylo's one on one act of defiance because, like you said, Snoke has been there from the very beginning, manipulating him inside his head, and as soon as that act of defiance was carried out. Snoke was killed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Snow. It wasn't like Kylo ran away with Rey, and then Snoke was like chasing after them and threatening to kill. Like it's not something that was carried on into the next film. It mm-hmm. was executed quite literally at that second, mm-hmm. which is really powerful. I think considering the longevity of Kylo and Snoke's relationship, the fact that it was severed in an instant like that um, is a really nice comparison. I think. Well, it's really – it's also interesting that you say that because I think that – oh, we just basically pinpointed that it's so personal. And I think that maybe we need to take a step back in the fact that Anakin cutting off Mace Windu's hand and then, you know, essentially turning to the dark side um, and following Palpatine maybe was – more personal or at the same time as personal since immediately after that Mm. when he makes his choice he says just help me save Padme's life I'll do anything you ask and I think that was a moment of defiance against the council against his upbringing against the Jedi against everything he knew and I think that that's an example of like where defiance is bad but it definitely and it was but it was a personal journey and it was so immediate like that you know do you think it's as emotional as Kylo's Act of Defiance and The Last Jedi? I don't know if you can even compare the emotional value just because I think we yeah. all knew that that was happening and that was going to happen and something about Kylo killing Snoke is surprising and it's it's only surprising in the fact that we don't know what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good point. I, yeah. So I think that it's like it's kind of hard to compare it that way. But I think that there's like a lot of examples if we can return to that of Jedi – or anyone defying the council, the Jedi council and the prequels, like <laughs> Qui-Gon essentially defying the council to bring in Anakin and want to have this nine-year-old boy being trained. I think that that was like a major thing. And <laughs> all these moments of defying authority. And this is where, what you said before about like defying an authority, um, like a body. And I think the council in its metaphor metaphorical way really demonstrates like everything that was like wrong about the Jedi, which is um, obviously can be unpacked and it's not that simple. But I, <laughs> that was a moment, I think, that we look at that and we know that Anakin should be trained and we want this little boy who seems, you know, totally good and he just wants to help people to be trained. And Qui-Gon 
is super insistent that he is the chosen one and needs to be trained and he keeps him along even though the council like doesn't really make a decision really until he dies (laughs) you know (laughs) and like that is a huge moment of defiance yeah i think i'm pretty sure ahsoka and anakin have had that conversation before too where you know ahsoka does something against the council and anakin's like you can't do that and ahsoka's like you do it all the time time. yeah (laughs) i mean yeah but when i defy the council it's for a good reason and we need to make that decision together snips and you're like "Mm, okay (laughs) i roll (laughs) oh i love them I know, yeah. Um, An interesting one in the topic of defiance would be Dark Disciple with Ventress and Quinlan Voss and kind of their back and forth of not so much defying uh, like different entities, but defying expectations both of themselves and I think that the audience has. It's kind of – Oh, boy. You went there. (laughs) I was really not going to bring in defying expectations or subverting expectations. <laughs> oh, God, I no, not subverting. Be... Well, I think it's, like, kind of the same thing in a weird way. Like, just, like, the the killing of Kylo Ren and, I mean, whoa, oh, my God. Whoa. Uh, what the spoilers killing... have you been reading? <laughs> I've been worrying a little too much. The, <laughs> the, the, the killing of Snoke by Kylo Ren Um you know, defied expectations is, in the movie, but also outside of the movie. Okay, but is defying expectations different from subverting expectations? No. I mean, yes, it is different. It is different. We're getting into so many semantics here. I love it, yeah. but I'm also like, oh, my head hurts. <laughs> it is different because subverting, there's no per, there, there's no personal emotional element in subversion. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost like tricking. Yeah, it's not individualistic. It is a storytelling mode. So it's almost like you can't really make this comparison, I think. Yeah, I think sub- subverting has a much more negative connotation. Well, the phrase subverting expectation, at least after Last Jedi, it's come to have a negative connotation. Yeah, and I think that, like, if you use the example of Quillen Boss and uh, Asajj Ventress, I think what they do is defy the expectations of those are even around them. Mm-hmm. Um, like Obi-Wan is a really good example of people who <laughs> can kind of cross both sides, you know, the dark side and the light side. Obi-Wan? And I think that that uh, – no, Obi- Obi-Wan witnessing this because oh. he was like witness to most of this. Yes. And I think that like his expectations were defied by them. Mm-hmm. Continually. Continually. And I think that like – that's definitely a moment of defiance, um, but in, in a different way. Yeah. Guys, if you haven't read Dark Disciple, please go you read should. Dark Disciple. You should. We're not, we're not going to get too deep into, like, spoilers, but, I mean, I, oh, I no. kind of said, like, a main thing. But I, I definitely think that you should read it if you haven't. If you are a, a Raylo fan, you should read Dark Disciple. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Dark Disciple is a book that even exists as it does is just bananas. But – yeah, I think Dark Disciple, I think, is a really interesting example, actually, for just how it how it plays with the audience and with the characters themselves. I think it's like you could also make a case for the fact that we have so many characters in like the wider canon, not necessarily the films, except for Finn. But we have so many like clone characters who defy their programming and so much so that I'm not an expert in the clones like some people are, but... 
I, I am aware that Rex comes into Rebels and he has defied his own programming from Order 66. And there's a whole contingent of them who have kind of turned away from that and wouldn't kill for them. And Finn is the same way. He wouldn't kill for them. He is defying, defying his own programming as well. And again, this is another like essentially a personal act against an authority to move away from something that was holding him back. Yeah, it's uh, – you mentioned this earlier, but it's like crossing the threshold and there yeah. is like this breaking point for characters and that's when the act of defiance happens. If it's on like an individual level, there's the breaking point, the moment when everything changes mm-hmm. and that's that's when they defy. <laughs> that's when they defy. <laughs> when they do it. Okay, so let's talk about the Sith because I feel like the Sith is not actually something we touch on a lot in Sky Talkers. Uh-huh. But because we've been talking about the emotional implications of defiance and also how defiance can be good and bad. And the Sith have this (laughs) fun rule, the rule of two, where, you know, the cycle continues. There's only ever two because the apprentice ends up killing the master. They defy the expectations, I guess, of remaining an apprentice and kill the master in order to become the master so then how do characters like maul kind of fit into this or even ventress really for that matter what we see of her in clone wars okay no no no. let's like rewind and talk a little bit more about rule of two because i don't think they're necessarily defying expectations i think their their act of rising above their old master and killing their master is the ultimate defiance so it's like you have to ask yourself can't, is defiance bad in like when you defy an authority and it, and it is so personal as it is in an apprentice killing their master this act of defiance like all the acts that we talked about before of defiance are like good things and this is like one that's really a malicious act of defiance against an authority what's weird about this conversation is that it's all inherently evil like there's nothing good about that system Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there aren't any good people involved in the system so is it still is it still defying i guess it's still defying because it can be a bad act of defiance but the master knows it's coming at some point right or is expecting it or anticipating it worrying about it because that's just how it's always been i think that's just like the cycle of the dark side where you're just like it's it's manipulation it's anxiety it's all these all these things that like that's what the dark side is Mm -hmm. but it's it's interesting that the the act of defiance is personally rewarded but it's not from the master like the master could i think with the role of two essentially the master could replace the apprentice kill the apprentice or you know cast him away as we saw in the clone wars with some of those characters and i feel like it's just interesting when we spend a lot of time talking about like the good characters who defy all, you know, odds. <laughs> yeah, all odds and, you know, have these like amazing acts of defiance against authority figures or like even Jin Erso defying the rebellion that we know is good um, at its heart, essentially. But like this, the dark side also has this like these terrible acts of defiance too that when they come from a personal standpoint aren't good and it all is like because of that i think defiance like your act of defiance and that's what makes it so different than like rebellion is so tied up in individuality and 
per in like your your personal like your ego and I think that's what the divide the divide is and of course like the main divide of Star Wars of like it's all about your choices so if your choice is for good or if your choice is for bad mm-hmm. well it's an interesting phrase too that one of us brought up but that that phrase of defying the odds mm-hmm. um, I don't know it's just it's kind of like oh you keep coming back around um, or you you've risen above what everyone thought was going to happen to you. You keep defying the odds. You know, the deck is stacked against you, but you keep coming out on top, Um, which I think is an interesting conversation in regards to Maul because Maul just kind of kept defying the odds and kept coming back around and kept living and living and living until he finally didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But he he defied the expectations of the audience by still being alive (laughs) and then continuing to still be alive. In a lot of different iterations. Um, but he is this, like, dark sider character. Mm. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that the different ways we use that word and how usually you say things like, oh, like, they – like, when someone's sick in the hospital and it's like, oh, they defied the odds. Like, the odds were stacked against them. No one thought they would make it. But they do and it's, like, kind of this positive thing. But then we have a character like Maul who's kind of doing the same thing and it's positive because we like seeing his story, but he is this dark sider character who's working in opposition to a lot of our quote unquote light side characters. Um, I just think it's interesting. It's weird because I think that Maul, and I'm not as familiar with Maul, I don't think off the top of my head as I probably should be or like honestly want to be. I mm-hmm. want to be. I think that like if you go back to the original definition that we talked about at the top of the show, um, the dictionary.com definition of like a daring or bold resistance to authority or any opposing force, I think that like Maul's defiance is probably like purely based off of the fact that he is resisting against or like he is in such a tough turmoil against wanting to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi and like rise above that and like that's the authority figure that he wants to rise above but I don't know if he ever can and he never does I guess in that relationship do you consider Obi-Wan an authority figure I don't know if he's an authority figure but I do think that he's like the better person (laughs) so it's like I mean yes (laughs) you think about like the act of defiance is like a ladder I think that Maul is at the bottom and Obi-Wan is at the top and Maul cannot pass Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it, like specifically with with Maul, because if Obi-Wan's at the top of the ladder of the goal, Maul, throughout what we see of him, goes up a lot of different rungs of that ladder, defying the odds of how high he can get, but he never actually makes it to the top. That is Mm Obi-Wan. I mean, he does get there, but he falls. I think if you think about like Anakin and Darth Vader as like a dark sider and you think about like bad defiance, I think that it's really interesting if you trace his journey, if you like use this ladder metaphor where Anakin's at the bottom here and then like midway Anakin like defies the council. So he like jumps over the, the council on this ladder and then he is stuck, but he will never be able to cross over and defy Palpatine. And forever he's like stuck in the middle of this ladder, ladder cannot go down, cannot go back into the Jedi Council. And he can't cross over into, you know, over Palpatine. And it only takes like someone, come, like an external force like Luke to allow Vader Ana- or Anakin to cross over and defy Palpatine at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That is 
it starts with a personal act of him defying the council. And then it ends with like the most personal act of him defying Palpatine, who is also, I would say, in similar to Kylo Ren and Snoke, his abuser, who's someone who like kept him down, you know, kept him like enslaved his, you know, for the past like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Kept him in the middle of the ladder. Exactly. And I think that like you can even extend this ladder metaphor about like Anakin wanting to, you know, get his mother and himself uh, out of slavery and wanting to kind of rise above and it's interesting when you think about like Darth Vader as someone who like really couldn't and ever like go through with that rule of two of like killing his master. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you can think about him as a Sith and like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm like deep in thought now. <laughs> I can hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still deciding how I feel about our ladder metaphor. Um, I think it works, but I think there are probably a lot of holes in it too. Uh, well, there are holes in ladders, you know, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Just wow. Saying. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I mean, talking about Anakin, like kind of trapped in the middle of the ladder. I mean, it's just, it's, it works so well for kind of any way you talk about Anakin, especially once he is Vader because he's trapped in the suit as well. So there's just – it's just different – it's just a different type of metaphor for the same point. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what I like about Anakin's journey in particular, talking about it as it relates to defiance, is that we see – we've been talking this whole time about like good examples of defiance and bad examples of defiance and, and what it means, the emotions driven behind it. And with Anakin, we really do get to see all different types of defiance. Um, Since we do have most of his story and we've seen him on both quote unquote sides and making decisions ruled by his emotions for the opposing side or by the opposing side. I don't know. I think it's – we'll get into this in part three, but defiance in the future. But with Anakin, we do get this example of people making good and bad choices all throughout different stages of their life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It works because it's Star Wars, so it's good. Yeah, I think that, like, as we talk more, I'm kind of conflating the two terms of, like, your choice and your defiance. And I think that, like, in a lot of ways, with their main characters in Star Wars, they're pretty similar. Especially with Anakin's, like, these huge life-changing choices are also acts of defiance because all these choices are extremely personal. But I don't think that they're necessarily the same thing. Yeah, yeah, no. What okay, so what examples are there of defiance or personal choices that aren't active def- acts of defiance in Star Wars? Yeah, I guess um, from like our main characters or that or I guess that represents important moments for our characters. I don't know. I think even just the little moments aren't necessarily acts of defiance. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I'm just wondering if as in in within the Star Wars world, the like big moments for our characters when they're making these personal choices are they always inherently acts of defiance i think from a sometimes from a storytelling standpoint kind of has to be they have to be but i don't think they are if we can think about these people as like living breathing humans in a world you know Mm -hmm. i I think that like we're seeing like the best of their life in like a two-hour movie yeah, and it's a story, and, and like we it's said a story. before, acts of defiance move the plot along. Yeah, like I didn't bring up this example, but I think one of my favorite ones is Finn and Rose kind of 
being defiant against like the capitalist market of Canto Bite. <laughs> you know, I think that yeah. that's like super overt in that point, but it only works because it's personal because of Rose and her her um, history with you know the fact that her planet was like shelled and ored for weapons. Mm-hmm. And you get that like relief of Rose it being extremely defiant by like stomping all over this like town that's like a huge symbol mm-hmm. for you know warmongers and rich people. And without that, like without that personal point, I think that it wouldn't be as powerful. And I know that people, a lot of people don't think it's that powerful, but I do think that, like... The point, what? It was the supposed point to be is, powerful. Yeah, because if, like, if we didn't get that point, I think that it, it would have fallen really flat. Like, yeah. I think that, like, we wouldn't have... Everything in Star Wars, like, doesn't work if it doesn't relate back to our characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, moments like that only... They only happen because there's some kind of emotional connection mm-hmm. that has to be felt through the character. And you can argue whether or not that emotion was was expressed well through the character, but it's written in a way that the emotion should be there behind the decisions that they're making. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, like, these are things that, like, screenwriters think about, about, like, okay, we're going to have our characters, like, make this big choice, but you have to take a step back and be like, why are they making this choice? And, like, why would this, like, defiant act be powerful? And it has to have a personal meaning. It has to be emotional. It has to be individual. And I always think back about, like, Kathy Kennedy. And I remember hearing this before The Force Awakens, like, right after the Disney purchase, where I think there's an interview. There's a couple of interviews still on YouTube of George Lucas and Kathy Kennedy sitting around a round table. There's, like, five of them. And she is talking about how Star Wars works best when it puts its characters at its heart. And I think that like the only way that you can put its characters at its heart is if you have these moments of personal choices and the personal choices, like I think that these like acts of defiance have to be grounded in personality and Mm -hmm. like an emotional weight essentially. Yeah. So an act of defiance always has to be tied to emotion but and a personal choice. Mm-hmm. But a personal choice doesn't always have to be an act of defiance. Yes. Yeah. And also defiance is different than rebellion because rebellion is collective. Mm-hmm. And while there can still be, like, obviously emotion and, like, personality behind a rebellion. Well, there is. Well, it ch- there is. It changes. It it changes because it's, like, a, it's a group effort. Yeah. So, like, Jin, when she defies against the rebellion on her own, mm-hmm. she's defying. But then when she meets up with Cassian and the rest who have – the rest of Rogue Squadron who have decided to go along, they've now become a rebellion, not a exactly. defiance. <laughs> exactly. Semantics, man. It's Ooh, tough. It matters, though. <laughs> it, it does matter because these are, like, ext- like huge moments that shape a character and shape a great character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move into part three. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. 
So welcome to part three, where we're going to be talking about defiance in the future. And really, we're just going to be speculating about episode nine. (laughs) And I guess like we could talk about Clone Wars as well. But like, what is the number one act of defiance that you'd like to talk that you would like to happen in episode nine? Oh, well, now that you brought up Clone Wars. um, I know. (laughs) I, I, this isn't. (laughs) <laughs> this isn't defiance at all, but what I want to see in Clone Wars <laughs> is I want to see Anakin get mad at the council for what they did to Ahsoka. Oh my God, so do I. And that would be an act of defiance that would be unrewarding for Anakin. And that yeah. is like part of his journey as to never being able to like cross the ladder. Can you imagine if Anakin had this huge fight with Mace about it. I it would work so well for then what happens in episode three that we were talking about earlier, that moment with Mace and Palpatine. Oh my God. <sighs> that would be so good. And that that stuff like needs to happen. It does. But yeah, that's that's going against the expectations of being respectful and quiet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which Anakin doesn't really know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, and it contrasts what he would, he would talk to Ahsoka about too, about, you know, when we, when we defied the council's wishes out, you know, in the, in the field in, during the war, it's usually for very specific reasons based off of what we're encountering that they're not with us for. Whereas, like you said, if he were to speak up against the council in season, the new season of Clone Wars, that defiance, like you said, would go unrewarded, and no, the the, the re what's the word I'm looking for? The effect of that defiance would be pushing Anakin closer to his big act of defiance in Episode Three. Mm-hmm. So, like going down a rung on the ladder. Exactly. I think that in if we're talking about the Clone Wars before we get into Episode Nine, I think that you can think about Ahsoka's like huge act of defiance is leaving the Jedi council and like not returning. And of course that was grounded in a personal choice. Like she's no Jedi. Um, Oh, love her. Same. But I, I do wonder like what, what is her act of defiance in the next season of the Clone Wars as well? Like what does that look like for her? Yeah, it's interesting because Ahsoka is a pretty grounded light side character. And so I wonder if now that she is not with Anakin kind of tempering his defiance, if she'll kind of step out into her own more emotional defiance. But her leaving the council, like she has such a good head on her shoulders that even her decision to leave the council, though emotional, was very level-headed. Uh, yes, but it was logical. personal. We, oh, yeah, it was personal. But a lot of the examples we've talked about are very, um, like, action-driven and very mm-hmm. like, heightened emotion. And, of course, Ahsoka had that heightened emotion. And and we saw that in the moments leading up to the finale of Season 5. But the actual moment when she says, you know, I'm not coming back is very calm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting because a lot of our other examples aren't super calm. Yeah, but that's why Ahsoka is so good, right? <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't know if I think like there's no one for her to be defiant to. I guess, I guess, like, in well, order maybe to- she could be defiant against the council because maybe she's like still kind of bitter. 
Yeah, but they're not an authority over her anymore. They don't have any jurisdiction over her choices or her life anymore. Unless she's left. wrangled back into the fight because of like that that clip that we saw for the next season seems like they're asking Ahsoka to like help them somehow. You know? Yeah, but the I mean the panel, I mean, I can't remember I need to go rewatch it. It's been like two months since I've rewatched the Ahsoka panel from Celebration Europe, what, twenty sixteen, where they went mm-hmm. through the what would have been season six back then about it was like Anakin had reached out to the or Ahsoka had reached out to the council for help on Mandalore and then they Anakin had sent the 501st so that's kind of but maybe they've changed it you know where like the the council has to be the ones to ask Ahsoka back or to ask for her help in a situation I hope I don't have to see Ahsoka asking the council for help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, same actually. So yeah. So I mean, I like you need to have – there has to be some kind of opposing force. And there will be. I mean, like, there, there, there will, will be. be. It's yeah. Star Wars. There's a war. <laughs> but – You don't say. I, it, it'll be interesting to see Ahsoka like – take that next step or like what is her in between from leaving the council to where we see her in rebels which is in its in itself an own act of defiance Mm -hmm. like what happens in between something big something that we're gonna get it has to be so soon (gasps) wow hope so So for episode nine, though, like, let's talk about it. So obviously what we really want to happen is a clear, personal, emotional act of defiance for Kylo Ren to leave the dark side and return to the light. The end. All right. (laughs) That's going to wrap up the show. And that's it. (laughs) Find us at Skydarker's (laughs) Five. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, to me, I really want that to be the the big thing. And I think that, like potentially ray even having her active i don't i don't even know like to be honest like i don't even know i talk a lot about how my big wish outside of redemption and jagged blue lightsaber is that i want ray and finn to have a super emotional conversation about what happened to ray in the last jedi and for finn to grapple with her relationship with kylo whatever that ends up being. But uh-huh. just the fact that she basically left him alive on the supremacy when she could have killed him. And I think that'll be a really emotional conversation. And like if we're going to be like really romantic, angsty about it, like I, I see this conversation of, of Finn being like, do you still see him? Like don't go to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ray being like, you don't get to make that decision for me and kind of defying his wishes of still maintaining her relationship with Kylo or not regretting what happened on the supremacy, depending on kind of the status of the Force connection once we get back into episode nine. Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be like, wow, that would be so amazing. <laughs> if they literally said, don't go to him. <laughs> it would it would be so good. And Ray's like, no, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going now. Or I'm going by myself. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess Ray's defiance would be like defying the resistance Mm -hmm. um, and what their plans are. Cause their plans, once they get help from wherever it's coming from, Lando, um, would be against the First Order. And that would be against Kylo. And I don't think that that's exactly what Ray wants. 
despite her anger at him, I, again, she, she left him alive for a reason. So I don't think that's what she wants for him or for herself. Right. Ah, I'm excited. For Finn, though, I think that, like, as we talked about on our Finn episode, that Finn is, like, on the perfect hero's journey, where I think that, like, he will continue to go through, like, the transformation and atonement version, part of his hero's journey, whatever that will look like. And I think that, like, he will continue to, like, defy his roots as a stormtrooper. And, like, we'll get, hopefully, that's, this is my hope, um, there will be, like, more understanding into his programming and where he came from and potentially he will help inspire a major defiance of the stormtroopers rising above the first order so stormtrooper rebellion (laughs) and like for it's interesting though if i think about it that way where like for finn it's like extremely personal um if he was ever to inspire that and but like collectively for a stormtrooper rebellion to happen it is still an act of defiance as we talked about but it is collective and emotional and individually personal but it's only it's only as like effective as it is if there's a lot of people who join in on that huge act of defiance yeah it's a good conversation with the clones which we kind of talked about with the clone wars in the last section but because the clones and the stormtroopers like Finn have all been brainwashed in the same way. Yeah. But they all have to make an individual choice mm-hmm. to do the same thing of defying, which yeah, then becomes a rebellion. Mm. That's why the the clones are like such a really interesting and like have obviously like there's a reason why people really like them and like their stories and like why Dave Filoni kept liking to tap into that um psyche of the clones because it is so fascinating as like a microcosm of what Star Wars even is Mm -hmm. is if if Star Wars is really all about choices what better to define that as someone who literally goes against their programming to kill you Mm -hmm. know like that's it's it is in a way a symbol of Star Wars. Wow, I feel a clones episode coming on, which is I mean, after <laughs> I never Chips thought I'd say that. Is the last thing I ever thought we would talk about here. This, this was a weird episode, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> deep thoughts, man, deep thoughts. Deep, deep thoughts about ships and clones. Yeah. And they're actual deep thoughts. I'm not joking. I know. I, know. <laughs> I think as audience members, um and specifically Raylo audience members and Bendemptionist audience members, we all have these sets of expectations for how we think Kylo is going to be at the start of the story. And for some of it's, it's us, it's like, oh, he's going to be that much darker because that's where our story has to start kind of. Um, it can't be so obvious that his defiance is coming. Yeah. I think that it, it, it does. <laughs> and I think that like – if we we're going to like move away from our discussion of defiance, like I think that if I were to guess right now on April 3rd, <laughs> 2019, Eight I, yeah, 8.36 p.m., <laughs> I would say that the beginning of the movie, Kylo is going to be tortured, sad, and very dark side because those are the emotions of the dark side. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that like he will like try to lean into those, but probably fail because he'll feel the call to the light, and like potentially maybe that's his act of defiance is like re- 
I mean, it is. We, that's what I was talking about. But like potentially that is his act of defiance of like rejecting those emotions and like yeah. rebelling in individualistically and personally rebelling against those emotions, resisting and going towards the light. Yeah. And that kind of brings me back to the the fun comparison between Anakin and Kylo is that Anakin, we got to see all these different acts of defiance both for good and bad reasons and also – Maybe what we'll see in the Clone Wars are acts of defiance that really have no impact, um, that are just emotionally impactful rather than action impactful. And with Kylo, we're kind of getting the same thing. Um, I mean, he the first act of defiance we really see against Kylo is him defying the light side, resisting the pull to the light side. He's defying the call. And then we see him defying against Snoke and he kills Snoke. We see him defying against ray about going with her we see this kind of range and he's kind of in this really short time frame defied a lot of our expectations about what we thought he was doing and so i think in episode nine it's gonna kind of follow that same path we're gonna i think we'll see him make both good and bad choices and and end hopefully (laughs) with that final good example of defiance of finally coming out from under the authority under the manipulation of the dark side Mm -hmm. totally love him i do too man (laughs) (laughs) so are there any other points of defiance that we want to talk about before we close out the show i think i'm gonna be really interested to see defiance within resistance next season yeah I think that will be True. how how that comes about, whether it's it's quote unquote good or bad defiance, I think will be a really interesting conversation, especially as it relates well, I'm not gonna say any spoilers for people who aren't caught up in resistance, but to some of our main characters, I think how and when they choose to be defiant will be really interesting given the amazing set piece that they're on the Colossus and how it'll have kind of ripple effects throughout that that tiny world they inhabit totally so oh, i just thought of another really good example of defiance oh tell me uh but it's kind of re- rebels spoilers and i feel i still feel like that's like a minefield well, i feel like, Reb- I feel like okay guys skip ahead like three minutes if you haven't watched it's been the end a of rebels. year out past the end of rebels i know but i still i still feel like you get you it's it's a good one you okay. know when ezra basically deceives the whole ghost crew except for Sabine, to mm. move on and to jump to hyperspace with the Purgles. I think that that is like one of the most major acts of defiance in all of Star Wars because that is – it's a personal journey for Ezra, but it's the most selfless thing that he could do. And it's something that we didn't really talk about, about like selflessness versus selfishness, yeah. which again is at the core of Star Wars. But I think for Ezra in that moment, his act of defiance – after everything he learned and after everything he went through was like the most selfless thing that he could possibly do. Is it – I'm going to – is it defiant if it's not a little selfish because it's a personal choice? Well, see, that's a good question. I I feel like every every selfless act has a little bit of selfishness. Like you, you feel good about it or something. I don't know if you've ever seen like that Friends episode. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some. There's definitely something to be said about enjoying doing good things because of how it selfishly makes you feel. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's the thing about defiance is that it is so wrapped up in the ego and like your, your, pers- your 
personal like worth and like who you are and everything that it is in some way selfish because it is about the self. Yeah. But I think what I'm trying to say is Ezra's act was defiance because he def- defied basically all his friends except for Sabine to save them. Yeah, it's almost like cuz now now I'm kind of thinking about Vader's moment with Palpatine at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi a little bit differently because Ezra and that moment with Vader are kind of as selfless as it gets in Star Wars. Um, Because even though, of course, there is this this personal choice and this selfishness that is tied to that of – like with Ezra, it's like I want to save everyone else because like this is my home world. This is my family. I care about them. But it's – I kind of think the larger theme over top moments like that are sacrificial, um, like sacrificial heroism and selflessness. And I think defiance is, of course, a part of that. But I think overriding defiance for moments like that are themes of sacrifice and selflessness and heroism because those are the ending moments too. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we talked about, defiance kind of tends to have ripple effects down the line and that's the end of the story um, in a lot of ways, at least for those characters. But it is a personal choice and it is, you know, so emotionally driven because I mean, they're they're at the brink. Um, Ezra's at the brink. There is no other choice. Um, and so is Vader, basically. Um, mm-hmm. They're at the emotional end of the line, as it were. But I think it's – I think those moments like those are more defined by – the sacrifice and the selflessness than perhaps defiance, but I think it's all there. I think going back to the Kylo act of defiance um, when he killed Snoke, though, it's really interesting because I do think that there are people out there who see it differently. Like they see it because there is a, a bit of selfishness and and also selflessness in that as well because like there's, there's both sides. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so brilliant about that scene is that like – some people come away with that and be like, like most people, I feel like, come away with that and be like, wow, I can't believe like Kylo overcame his master. And that was such a brave act for him to like basically save Ray that way. But I do think that like it because it is so rooted in like there's so much emotions wrapped up in Kylo's relationship with Snoke that it is partially selfish in that way just because it is about him. Like Kylo killing Snoke is about him and maybe more so than it is about saving Rey. And I think that's like why that scene is so brilliant. And that's why The Last Jedi itself is so brilliant because there's a lot of different ways you can come out of that movie and think different things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that like at the end of it, though, I think this obviously was a clear act of defiance. But like I think that you can definitely argue, even though I don't think I go that way, I think that you could argue that like maybe that act was bad because you could also say – that Kylo's objective for killing Snoke was different than what Rey thought his objective was. But I think at the end of the day, Kylo killing Snoke, Kylo's murder of Snoke is both for like him overcoming his abuser as much as it is like him thinking that Rey and him are on the same page. Mm hmm. And also him, like, some people uh, interpreting it like, oh, so he can become supreme leader? Exactly. And I think that, like, 
that's there, but I don't think that that's like the number one reason. And it, it, and it would never be the number one reason. I think that like the number one reason is because like the only way out of the situation and to save Ray is to kill his abuser. Yeah. You know? It's, it's one of those things where I wish they had recorded because Ryan Johnson talks a lot about how him and Adam had extensive conversations about Kylo's state of mind throughout that entire sequence. Caitlin, uh, I bet they did record this and it'll be like released in like three years. In 2020, whenever there's has is- to be so much Adam Driver content that they haven't released because <laughs> li- he- he's nowhere in the bonus feature. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you and I just got really emotional <laughs> about Adam Driver bonus content. Oh man, this episode starts with Adam Driver, it ends with Adam Driver. I mean, I'm brand. What can we say? Yeah, super on brand. It's just like I, I feel like there's so much there that like there hasn't has. been. I, well, I didn't mean to interrupt you about this. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like the reason we can come at it with all these interpretations is something that they've alluded to, well, that Ryan Johnson has alluded to himself. That they talked extensively about where the camera was, what Adam's expression was like, what he was thinking about. Had he ever kissed a girl? Sorry, that's a different scene. Um, <laughs> All these different things because there are so many layers to that moment and to that whole sequence of events and to take it even broader because there's no one answer. It's like Kylo's choice in that moment is all of those things wrapped up in one, just like it's not black and white of light or dark side. Like that's a big theme of the sequel. That's the theme of the sequel trilogy um, is that there are all of these different shades um, in between and Kylo's choice is not a simplistic one because there's not just one reason and some of those reasons are good and some of those reasons are bad but it's kind of like where's our barometer at any given point throughout the scene right that's what makes it so good honestly because yeah. it's so complicated it's not driven by one thing yeah Oof, man so good love him <laughs> gosh okay well, is there anything else you want to say about Defiance? I don't. I had a good time discussing this, though. I did, too. We did a lot of semantics, which is fun. It, yeah. This kind of reminds me of our crawl episode, where it was a lot of dealing with specific word choice. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so that's going to wrap up this episode. If you don't have any plans for April 12th at high noon, when the sun is directly above you in the sky, please come to our podcast stage. That's please please um and we have one more episode coming out before celebration it's all about last minute celebration tips and tricks you'll get to hear a lot of our horror stories and our happy stories from past celebrations as well as things you absolutely 100 must bring with you um so stay tuned for that and then we have the podcast stage and that's going to be our 100th episode i don't think we've really talked about that but the podcast stage is going to be our 100th episode so again april 12th high noon be there be square and uh yeah you can find us online at sky talkers pod or on our personal twitter handles at clarity or at kaylin plusher we also have our website skytalkers.com a facebook and instagram a patreon um where you get a discord with that um so lots of good ways to contact us whatever you want we also have email anyway if you can google us you can find us um and while you're on google before you head over to any of those other sites please visit itunes first and leave us a review 
yes, please. It makes us so happy and it allows so many other people to find the show more easily. It like comes up when you search Star Wars podcast. Mm-hmm. There, there are some days we don't come up and there's sometimes we do. And usually it's because someone had given us a review. So it helps more people to find us. Mm-hmm. It really does. So, and with that, I want to thank our amazing patrons, which Caitlin mentioned. If you are a patron of us, we have different tiers and all the tiers get access to our Discord, which is like super active. And we've been all talking about celebration. It's been super fun. And we also do monthly episodes for $3 and above. So I want to thank our awesome patrons, Jason, Eric, Kelly, Kimberly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Donnie, Irina, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Sintara, Thomas, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararu, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Scott, I Rebel, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.